Do you find yourself searching for true crime podcasts that are different from what you're always recommended? Do you want to make a real difference in the cases that you're following? Well, you're a crime junkie. And I'm Ashley Flowers the creator and host of the number one true crime podcast, Crime Junkie. There are hundreds of episodes already available, and each Monday we dive into the details of cases spanning from some of the most infamous to those that you have never heard covered before. Listen to Crime Junkie podcast now, wherever you're listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit nofeardentist.com. Our card this week is Katie Memory Jones, the five of clubs from North Carolina. In 2016, Katie was walking home from a night out with friends, enjoying one of the last warm nights of the year when something bad happened that has haunted her friends and family for years and has left investigators puzzled to this day. Now, law enforcement is providing new details about Katie's case, hoping that someone with information will come forward and justice can finally be served. I'm Ashley Flowers, And this is The Deck. It was October 15, 2016, about 2.40 in the morning in Charlotte, North Carolina. A man, who we'll call Joe, was still awake watching TV in his living room when all of a sudden he heard some loud noises outside. They were either gunshots or fireworks. Joe wasn't sure. But then a loud alarm started going off. And the alarm was too loud and too close for Joe to ignore, so he went outside to see what was going on. Unbeknownst to Joe, as he was walking toward the sound of the blaring alarm to investigate, other worried neighbors who'd also heard those concerning noises were alerting police. Charlotte, Mech number 911. Do you need police, fire, or medic? Police. Well, um, we are, it's not at our home. We can hear it from our home. We just heard a bunch of voices and an alarm going off. Okay, and, well, yeah, that- and a scream. You said an alarm? An alarm, a gunshot, voices, a scream. As that 911 call was being placed, Joe was walking up on a scene that he would never forget. He had followed the alarm sound to Berry Hill Realty, which housed its office in a former home in Joe's neighborhood. His heart started to race when he spotted a young 20-something woman on the ground. At first, he thought maybe the woman had been drunk and just passed out in the driveway of the business. 
I mean, after all, it was 2.40 in the morning, and it wasn't totally uncommon in Charlotte's Plaza Midwood neighborhood because it's within walking distance of some late-night bars. But then, Joe saw a pool of blood on the sidewalk. So that's when he called 911. Charlotte Mecklenburg, 911. Do you need police, yeah, fire, uh, or medic? Please, 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 medic. Somebody is laid out here. There is blood. I have not checked her yet, but... I heard a loud noise. I came outside to see what was going on. There was an alarm going off at this real estate agent on the corner, mm-hmm. and she is laid out in the parking lot. I don't want to move her, but she is face down, and there is blood. The man's name is redacted from the report, so Joe is a pseudonym. Within two minutes of that 911 call, first responders started to show up. Medics immediately noticed the woman had been shot in the chest, and she was bleeding out. They also noticed some superficial injuries, scratches on her cheek, her elbow, her hip, and one of her fingers. Immediately, officers wondered if the injuries were from the woman fighting off her attacker or if she'd hurt herself in the fall after she was shot. Now, the woman was still alive, but barely. And though she was rushed to a hospital, she was pronounced dead not long after she arrived. Officers that stayed behind at the scene called crime scene investigators to come process it. But there wasn't much evidence to collect. One of the only items left behind was a crossbody purse the woman had been wearing when she had been shot. Inside was $300 cash, some business cards for a nearby restaurant, a bottle of pink pepper spray, a deck of cards, and the woman's ID, which read Katie Memory Jones, date of birth, December 19, 1989. She was 26. Since there was no mystery around who the woman was, police got to work right away trying to talk to Katie's friends and family members. Not only did they need to break the horrible news that Katie had been murdered, but they needed help piecing together what she had been up to before she was killed and if anyone knew who could have done it. So they headed to the address that was listed on Katie's ID, which was not even a mile from where she'd been murdered. It was around 7.30 in the morning on Saturday when they got to her house. Officers knocked on the door a few times, but there was no answer. Now, police later learned that Katie did have a male roommate who friends say she was acquaintances with, but he didn't come to the door. Since police weren't able to make contact with anyone at Katie's house or gain entry to look around inside, they went to the restaurant listed on the business cards that were found in her purse, Midwood Smokehouse, which was just right around the corner. That's where Katie worked, and some of her co-workers confirmed that she had worked that Friday night. They said that she worked her full shift, nothing weird happened, and after work, Katie met up with some friends at a dive bar called Midwood Country Club, also in the Plaza Midwood neighborhood. So detectives decided to track down some of Katie's friends who all knew each other by working in the service industry. There was a group of about six or seven of them who regularly met up for a drink after their shifts ended. Here's Detective Matt Hefner with the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department, who our reporters interviewed for this episode. He's working the case today. Uh, Katie was popular. She had lots of friends. She knew folks from work and hung out with folks from work and folks that she had formerly worked with. Just a a, a kind of a happy-go-lucky personality. Katie's friends were shocked by the news of her murder. They said the night before, they had all been out and had a good time at Midwood Country Club. They said Katie had nursed one cocktail the whole night, and they all stayed until the bartender closed up well after 2 a.m., By the time the group of friends was in the parking lot saying their goodbyes and hopping into their cars, it was about 2.30 in the morning. Midwood Country Club was just a mile away from the house Katie was renting at the time, so she said she was just going to walk home. She loved walking, and she loved doing it no matter what time of day or night it was. Now, friends did offer to give Katie a ride. 
In a report done by Charlotte Magazine in 2017, one of Katie's friends who was there that night was quoted, saying that they would offer Katie a ride home as a courtesy, even though they knew that their offer would be declined. The friend said, quote, We always offered. She never wanted a ride. She loved to walk the neighborhood. Any of us wouldn't have thought twice about walking before all this happened. Up until her, there was no reason not to walk home, end quote. Everyone said she would have felt safe. This was something she regularly walked. Uh, This was not the first time she'd been at Midwood Country Club and not the first time she'd walked home from Midwood Country Club. The Plaza Midwood area was an up-and-coming, artsy sort of neighborhood where you could work, live, and play all within a one- or two-mile radius. But despite this general feeling of safety, Katie wasn't naive. Friends said that she always carried with her a pink bottle of pepper spray in case anything were to ever happen. It was the same pink bottle of pepper spray found in her purse at the crime scene. As the investigation was starting out, detectives were considering all types of theories. Someone could have been laying in wait for Katie. Did she have enemies, any vengeful ex-boyfriends, or could it have been an attempted robbery that turned fatal? That theory perplexed officers, though, since Katie had cash in her purse when she was found. Whatever the motive may have been, detectives knew that what had happened to Katie happened on that walk home. So they began gathering surveillance footage from the area. They recovered footage of nearly every step of Katie's walk that night. But unfortunately, none of the footage showed the actual murder take place. The videos show Katie dancing along the sidewalks, enjoying some cool late night air. She was even messaging a group of friends during her walk, sending them pictures of things that she passed along her route. According to police, Katie made it about halfway home before she was shot and killed. And even though detectives couldn't find footage of her actual murder, some surveillance video from across the street where Katie was killed does show something else. Something that could help lead police to a suspect. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place that we're always dreaming about. Whether it's the snow-capped mountains, white sand beaches, a best friend's wedding, or even a hometown visit, we all have one. I mean, you're probably thinking of yours right now. Wherever your happy place is, Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. And listen, as a mom, as a CEO, it's not easy for me to get away, or at least not far away. But ever since I was in college, I have been the queen of staycations. And hand to Bible, Priceline was my jam. I had it dialed in. I'd get four-star hotels for like 50 bucks a night and treat myself after a long work week and college classes. Every Vegas trip I ever took in my 20s was through Priceline. I couldn't even believe anyone ever booked anything another way. And Priceline is more than just hotels. Priceline lets you book your entire trip all in one place. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Busy parents have enough on their plates without adding your children's homework to the list as well. IXL is an excellent resource for homework help, which is especially nice for parents who are rusty on school info themselves. And methods have changed over the years, too. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. It's designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. And you get one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. There's a reason why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. 
Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. A month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring, so now you could get your child the help they need at an affordable price. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And the DECK listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash DECK. Visit IXL.com slash DECK to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Video surveillance shows a car pull up and stop right beside where Katie's body was found in front of Barry Hill Realty. Detectives have reviewed this footage of what they believe is the killer's car hundreds of times since her death in 2016. It looks like a car is kind of riding up to the area Katie walked into. You can't see Katie, but you can see the headlights. And then you can see those headlights appear to reverse and go backwards a little bit. Um, The headlights go off. Um, You don't see the car. You don't see Katie. Detective Hefner gave us a copy of the surveillance footage, which you can see on the deckpodcast.com. The video is 30 minutes long, and at about the 16-minute mark, when the timestamp hits 2.46 a.m., Katie walks into frame. Now, it's a little hard to see. She's all the way at the other side of the road, and the only thing you can really tell is that she's walking at a leisurely pace. Katie walks to the corner of the Plaza and Hamorton Place, hangs a left on Hamorton, and then disappears into the night. Like Detective Hefner said, after a few seconds, headlights come into frame for a moment when the timestamp is at 2.47. They're on Hamorton Place, right next to the area Katie's body was found. After sitting there for a moment, the car appears to reverse, and by the time the clock hits 2.48, the headlights can no longer be seen. So this car appears and then disappears, all within a span of about 20 seconds. Detective Hefner said that the timestamps on the video were actually a few minutes off. So instead of all this happening between 2.47 and 2.48 a.m., as the video indicates, it actually took place around 2.42 and 2.43. And it was 2.44 a.m. when the first 911 call came in about the alarm going off and a possible gunshot. So detectives were sure that Katie had to have been shot within a few seconds of when those headlights were seen on the surveillance footage. Then, a little more than 30 seconds after the headlights disappear on the video, you can see a car speed away from the area. The car fails to stop at the intersection and continues out of frame. Now, this is where some people have differing opinions. Some internet sleuths and YouTubers who've examined the case, including popular YouTuber John Lorden, believe that the headlights seen in the video and the car driving away 30 seconds later are different vehicles. After all, the headlights do disappear for a few moments, and the surveillance footage doesn't definitively prove that it's the same car. But for detectives, there's a little question about this. They're confident that the headlights seen in the surveillance video and the car driving away a few seconds later are one in the same. And it's because of the car's behavior as it's driving away from the scene of the crime. Again, the car failed to stop at the stop sign as it came to the intersection. And Listen, you might be thinking like, big deal, it's super early in the morning and there probably aren't a lot of cars out. But Detective Hefner said that that's not the case. He said that this intersection is a busy one, even at 2.40 in the morning, and not one where you would want to run a stop sign, unless, of course, you were fleeing the scene of a crime. 
But despite having what's believed to be the suspect's car on video, police haven't been able to determine what kind of car it is. The footage isn't the highest quality, and the view of the car is obscured by trees and posts. Detectives know that it was a tan or silver sedan, but unfortunately, it's impossible to determine the car's maker model. After Katie's murder hit the news on Sunday, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department received several tips that seemed promising. It didn't take long for detectives to learn that Katie had pepper sprayed a man on Central Avenue just a few weeks before she was murdered. After learning about this, they actually tracked the man down for questioning. But the only thing Detective Hefner would tell our team about the interview was that he was ruled out as a suspect in Katie's murder. And in fact, the more police learned, the less likely it seemed that she'd ever encountered her killer before. The theory that this might have been a random robbery attempt was looking more and more likely because they couldn't find one person who disliked Katie at all or had any beef with her. Katie was from North Carolina. She was born in Asheville. And according to an article in Charlotte Magazine, Katie's father died when she was a child. After that, her family moved around a bit and eventually landed in Charlotte. After Katie graduated high school in 2008, she moved to New York City to attend Marymount Manhattan College, where she studied theater design. But with the high cost of living and tuition, Katie ran out of funds after three semesters and returned to Charlotte in 2010. And in 2012, she made the move to the Plaza Midwood neighborhood. Her friends say that she loved living in an area of town where everything was within walking distance. She was drawn to the artsy, offbeat aura of the neighborhood. It was a place that Katie felt like she could just be herself and that she wouldn't be judged for what she wore or how she acted or whatever vibrant color she would dye her hair next. In a report done by the Charlotte Observer in 2016, Katie's mother, Giovanna Livingston, spoke about the kind of person her daughter was. She said, quote, From the very moment she was born, she burst into the world, ready to live life to the fullest. She naturally brought laughter and smiles to everyone, end quote. Detective Hefner described Katie as a free spirit. She loved people and loved animals. Katie had two dogs and two cats and loved taking in strays. Her friend said that back in high school, she even took in an injured squirrel and brought it with her to school. Katie's Facebook profile is still up, and just by looking through her posts, it's easy to see what a fun-loving, spunky, and kind-hearted person she was. Scrolling through her pictures, her love for animals is obvious. She posted so many photos of dogs and cats, but she posted even more pictures of her friends. Dozens of images of her friends camping, eating, and just hanging out fill her Facebook photos. In most murders, everybody's got a mama, everybody's got a brother, a dad, a family that cares. But sometimes you run into an issue where beyond that, you don't have a lot of people who are really involved. In this case, the family's really involved, all the friends are really involved, the business was really involved. Everyone wanted to help. Detective Hefner said that in most investigations, detectives quickly start hitting roadblocks, people who won't cooperate. But with Katie's murder, everyone investigators could track down just wanted to help. I think that's what made this case such... A big newsworthy case is you have so many people who cared about Katie, who liked Katie, uh, who wanted to solve this crime, and it's not always that way in a murder. Despite Katie's friends, family, and co-workers trying to help in any way they could, the investigation was going nowhere just a few weeks after her murder. Police had no eyewitnesses and very little physical evidence. All they really had to work with was some low-quality surveillance footage and a community that was longing to see Katie's murderer brought to justice. Days turned into weeks, weeks to months, and there was little movement in her case. 
Police continued to investigate, but they didn't even know if they were looking for one assailant or two. I mean, there could have been a driver and a separate shooter. Despite the lack of evidence, detectives did their best to keep the case moving. They continued looking at the surveillance footage, trying to piece it all together to see if they could perhaps get a better angle of the car from maybe another camera. And for months, the footage was really the only evidence they had. That is, until 2017, when police caught a major break in the case. And this is a development that police haven't shared with the public at all. That is, until now. The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. Take it from someone who has made the mistake. And I should have freaking known better because in our very first house, we got a sectional from Ashley's store. And it was amazing. So beautiful, withstood a lot. I mean, Chuck is absolutely invited on all the furniture, but you couldn't tell. And that couch, after years of service, then supported our lazy butts during COVID when we binge watch show after show after show. Not even so much as an indent in my favorite cushion. Long story short, when we moved houses, I was like, oh, I'll get a new couch. It costs more money. It must be better. No, I hate it. It looks like we've had it for a zillion years. Meanwhile, the Ashley couch is still thriving at my brother's place. And as if their stuff wasn't quality before, the new high-performance furniture from Ashley store is somehow even better. It's designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Listen, I have corrected all of my mistakes, and we now have their new high-performance durable furniture. I got it in this beautiful shade of blue. I got some chairs. Love them, love them, love them. So whether you're hosting and toasting or just enjoying furry friends, you can relax knowing you have the durability and convenience of Ashley Store's newest assortment of high-performance furniture. Shop the life-resistant, high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I can remember sitting in my high school Spanish class, looking down at the ground, just hoping, desperately hoping, I wouldn't get called on. Because languages have never come easy for me. And even after all those years of studying in school, I felt so insecure. Then as my husband and I started exploring international travel recently, he convinced me that it was time to give language another try. So naturally, we found Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages and they have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing your words. As my family continues to explore future travel, I know I'm going to take advantage of that because I want to feel as confident and respectful as possible. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the deck listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash deck. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash deck today. In May of 2017, roughly seven months after Katie's murder, police conducted an unrelated traffic stop in Charlotte. While searching the suspect's car, police made an alarming discovery. In the trunk of the car was a handgun. After bringing it into evidence and doing ballistics testing, police realized that this wasn't just any gun. It was the gun used to kill Katie Jones in October of 2016. 
And I know what you're thinking. They've got the killer now. I mean, if the murder weapon was found in a person's car, doesn't that person automatically become the prime suspect? Well, in this case, the truth isn't as clear cut as that. According to Detective Hefner, this gun had been stolen in July of 2016 during a car break-in. That was three months before Katie was killed. From that point on, it was used as a street gun or a quote-unquote dirty gun, meaning that it was passed around from person to person. What this means for investigators is that it's virtually impossible to determine the whereabouts of the gun from the time it was taken until the time it was recovered. Putting that gun in someone's hands thus far has not been possible. We've not been able to figure out whose hands it was in at the time Katie was killed. To further frustrate the investigation, since the gun had been passed around so many times, getting any fingerprints or DNA off the weapon was beyond the realm of possibility. Now, it might sound like this was a dead end since they couldn't prove who had possession of the gun at the time of the murder. But this discovery actually proved to be a valuable clue. The fact that the murder weapon was a street gun agreed with the narrative that this was an attempted robbery gone wrong. This gun told police that Katie's killer likely was not someone who wanted her dead. It wasn't someone who may have had an axe to grind with her and happened to know her route that she was taking home every day. Although recovering the murder weapon certainly gave police a clearer vision of the motive behind Katie's murder, Detective Hefner said this simply wasn't the piece of the puzzle that they needed to solve the case. Right now, um, if you've ever put together a big jigsaw puzzle, you always want the edge pieces. This isn't an edge piece. This isn't giving me much more. This is a big, solid area in the middle of the puzzle, but this is not the edges. I can't, I can't get the crime to connect right now. After the gun was found in 2017, things slowed down with the investigation. Tips slowly stopped coming in, and investigators still had very little to work with. As time dragged on, investigators continued exploring every avenue they could to get more evidence. But with every passing day that no new witnesses came forward and no new evidence came in, the case kept getting colder. And it went on like this for two years. By December 12th of 2019, the murder of Katie Jones officially became a cold case, and it was passed from CMPD's homicide squad to the cold case unit. And that's when cold case detectives decided to explore an avenue that they hadn't looked at yet. They began the process of obtaining cell phone location records, not Katie's cell phone records. Police wanted to get records for everyone who was in a one block radius of Katie's murder on October 15, 2016, within a 30 minute time block of when she was killed. They thought that maybe if they could find out what cell phones were being used at the crime scene when Katie was shot, then it might lead them to her killer. But Detective Hefner said that records like that are not an easy thing to get a hold of. I mean, it's one thing to obtain that kind of data for one person, but to get that information for an entire block of people was going to be a challenge and potentially controversial. Detective Hefner explained that obtaining cell phone location records is a big privacy issue. And judges are often hesitant about greenlighting a search like that that infringes on people's privacy expectations. Regardless, investigators petitioned the court to grant a search warrant, and eventually, the judge did just that. Detective Hefner said that to keep people's privacy in mind, they just asked for the hard data, basically just phone numbers that were active in that area during the murder, no names, and the judge granted the search warrants for police to obtain the app data from various providers for that time frame within the one-block radius. 
This was huge for investigators, and it gave detectives a lot of hope that they could be one step closer to solving Katie's murder. This data would show police anyone who was in the area of Katie's murder who was using their phone at the time she was killed. So after requesting the app data from the providers, investigators eagerly awaited the results. But their hopefulness was short-lived. Police received the data of the people who were in the area and accessing their phones at the time of the murder, but it didn't show the results they were anticipating. It came back zero, goose egg. We had no one. Does it mean no one was there? No, it means no one was accessing this app data, like using their Google Maps or getting on Facebook or getting into, um, you know, Google Chat or whatever was out there. They're not using their device during that time frame. So we hit dead ends and we kind of tucked our tail and left it alone. Investigators were discouraged. Here they had a cold case that was recent enough to use modern technology to aid in the investigation and they were still coming up short. So they went back to square one. They decided to re-examine the surveillance footage from the area where Katie was killed. Investigators took the videos that they had in their possession and lined up the footage based on the time codes. But here's the thing. It quickly became apparent that the footage didn't quite line up with real time. The traffic driving through each shot didn't match up from camera to camera, which meant that the time codes on some of the cameras were off. Not by much, maybe a couple of minutes, but certainly enough to make a difference in the investigation. After this discovery, detectives slowly and painstakingly went through all of the footage they had and lined it all up, tracking cars through the videos to line up the videos perfectly instead of relying solely on the time codes. Now, once they had all this footage lined up, they saw something that they hadn't seen before. Throughout these videos, they kept seeing the same car over and over again. It almost seemed like the car was driving in circles. This wasn't just any car. It appeared to be the suspect's car. Police think they know why that sedan was driving around in circles that night in the Plaza Midwood neighborhood. And it wasn't because the driver was lost. You've got people leaving bars, leaving restaurants, cash in their pocket, you know, intoxicated, not in position to defend themselves well. Our gut feeling is that this is someone looking for a victim to rob. That's that's what our gut feeling is. Detective Hefner thinks that the driver was out looking for a victim, but he said that robberies turned murders are extremely uncommon. Um, A robbery murder, and when I say that, I mean a a true victim robbery murder, meaning a victim doing nothing wrong, not participating in any illegal activity and getting robbed while they're out minding their own business is very rare. It happens, but it is rare. It's even more rare in Charlotte, where the homicide rate is notably lower than cities of comparable sizes. In fact, murder of any kind is almost unheard of in the Plaza Midwood neighborhood. Sure, there were robberies, car break-ins, and criminal activity of that nature, but according to a 2016 article in the Charlotte Observer, the last homicide in that neighborhood had happened in 2013. There are some doubters of the theory that Katie's murder was an attempted robbery. I mean, if someone had intended to rob Katie, why didn't they end up taking anything? As I mentioned earlier, Katie did have $300 cash in her purse that her attacker just left there. But Detective Hefner said that this is something he's seen before. I would tell you there's been other cases I've worked where the full intent was to rob someone 
and a gunshot went off or there was a shooting that occurred and they actually took nothing. The suspect took nothing from the victim because of that. Now the police had the surveillance footage lined up, they decided to take another stab in the dark. They used the footage they had strung together of the suspect car and put together a narrative. Using this, they asked the court to grant another search warrant for more cell phone data, this time covering a larger area in a smaller time frame. A judge granted the order for police to obtain the location data for a 10-minute period in a three-block radius of where Katie was killed. Hopeful once again, detectives requested location data from the providers. Once they served the warrant, police had to wait. And wait. This data search was also completely anonymized, Detector Hefner said, meaning that the information detectives received didn't say the names of who owned the devices. It just said where the devices were within that three-block radius, how many times they were being accessed, and if they were moving around. And Detective Hefner said that this data is extremely accurate. The location data is so precise that it can reliably pinpoint whether a person is inside of a building or if they're on the street just outside of the building. Once investigators received the data they requested, they saw several devices in the area within that 10-minute window. And knowing what they knew about the suspect's car driving around in circles before the murder, detectives were able to eliminate any devices that were stagnant during those few minutes. They were looking for devices that were on the move. This narrowed down their suspect numbers to a very small list. The next step was for detectives to request location data for those devices for an hour before the murder and an hour after. But just when things were looking up, their hopes were dashed again. Once they received that information, investigators were able to eliminate every one of those devices based on what they knew about the whereabouts of the suspect's car. It was another dead end. So what do we have at the end of it? Whoever was in this car, all it tells us is that either they didn't have a phone that was on, or they didn't have a phone that was a smartphone, or they didn't have a smartphone that was using these particular apps that we were asking for. Um, is it is that something we usually hit, hit a home run with? Absolutely. We just didn't on this one. Um, so it, it's tough. It's really tough because that was our that was our big hope. And with that, police seem to have exhausted all leads that they thought could potentially lead them to Katie's killer. Since 2021, there's been very little movement in Katie's case. But Detective Hefner has yet to give up hope. He thinks it's only a matter of time before the truth comes out. Someone's going to get hemmed up in a crime eventually, and they're going to need some relief. They're going to need some help, and they're going to reach out to us looking for their information, their knowledge of this case or this gun, to help them out of the problem they're in. And that, that's what we count on. Detective Hefner said Katie Jones's case is one investigators lose sleep over. They've done everything they know to find answers and get to the bottom of her murder, but they keep coming up empty. To clear this case would be huge. To clear this case would be huge, particularly because we have done everything that we know to do. You know, you, you make a, a list in your mind of all the possible things you can do to clear a case and you hope that you clear it on the number two thing on the list or the number three thing on the list. But when you go through the long list of items and you run out of items and there's nothing, no, no um, closure in the case, you know, it, it's tough. So it'd be really huge to clear this. In an interview with True Crime Daily, Katie's mom said that she longs for justice for her daughter. She said, quote, I want answers. I want justice for her. She doesn't deserve to go into death not being known what happened to her. Her story is not finished. 
It needs to be finished. End quote. Katie's friends and family have grieved long enough. If you know who killed Katie Jones, or you think you might have any kind of information about her murder or the suspect's car, you're asked to call the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department at 704 336 7600. The Deck is an Audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So, What do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.